for two. Also, want to make sure um, at the end of the at the end of the message today, we will be sharing and celebrating Holy Communion. Want to make sure everyone on the way in or was given at some point um, a a um, one of these communion sets. If not, uh, we can make sure you get one. So just let me know, and we can take care of it. We've been for the past number of weeks in the book of Philippians because I've been focusing on the theme of joy. Joy is one of the blessings that God gives to his people. And it'd be one thing if we were to be looking at the scriptures and see the different blessings that God gives that produce or, are, or become a source of strength, his presence, his his, his, his provision, this and that. But the scriptures are clear. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And we look to that. And this letter, as well as many others, this one in particular, his Paul's letter to the churches at Philippi, he talks about joy. So we've been moving through this book, focusing on that theme. Last week, we talked about having joy no matter what trials or circumstances come our way, no matter what we go through. And this encouragement, again, I'm going to keep reminding all of us, is coming from a man, the Apostle Paul, who as he writes this is in a Roman prison. The beginning of today's passage in Philippians chapter 2, the first word in almost every translation I could find is the word therefore. So I want to first go back to the first, the last couple of verses of last week's uh, message to see, as has often been said, why the therefore is therefore. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start reading there in verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me. And now here is in me. He wants the Christians in Philippi to understand that he wants them, what he is hoping for and praying for them on their behalf is that they would live lives worthy of the gospel. No matter what they go through, no matter what comes their way, no matter how often things come their way, no matter how things may even come one after another, no matter what happens, and not just whatever happens to us directly. But how many realize that sometimes we can even take it even deeper within us when things begin to happen to those close to us? They were upset and troubled by what was happening to Paul in particular. And he tells them, no matter what you hear about my trials, no matter what you hear about my condition, to stand strong, and part of standing strong meant standing together. Don't let your circumstances 
or the circumstances of others be a cause for fear. For they also are to believe in Jesus, but not just to believe in him, but have a belief that would allow them to endure stuff. How many know we all got stuff? That, that's one of them high theological terms. Stuff. Paul had stuff. We all got stuff. Paul did. And it can be viewed as not only painting the, him saying this, that you're going to go through stuff and you're going to have issues. Some might say, well, gee, Paul, you're not really painting the best picture of the future. But truth is, we all go through things. We all see turmoil all around us. We've been commenting what it seems like forever of the pain and strife and division and anger in our land. And things just seem, even when they happen, to escalate so quickly. It seems that so many have lost the basic sense about treating other people with dignity and respect and honor. And the Apostle James challenges when we're in these situations, as is, it seems, the human tendency in this day that when something goes wrong to want to point a finger and find out what's wrong someplace else. But the Apostle James says in James chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, where do wars and fightings come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Is it simple selfishness that has put us in some of the situations that we're in? And or we have those other situations that are just life. With all the mess around us, and most likely, if we're honest, with all the mess that's within us, how do we get to a place of real joy? How do we navigate this on a regular basis, day by day, hour by hour? How do we balance ourselves inwardly so that the joy of the Lord can truly take root? And not just take root, but flourish. Well, since you asked, uh, book of Philippians chapter 2, the main passage for today. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul starts by acknowledging that stuff around us can get messed up, but that the path begins when God's people come together. Throughout this book of Philippians, Paul is going to over and over and over again make the plea, make the declaration that when things get rough, that when things start to pile up, what we need is each other. What we need is to come together. What we need is other believers who can encourage us and we can encourage them. Paul starts by talking about this. His path is unity. Being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord is how we get through this. The key concept here is a musical concept. It's called harmony. Now, I don't believe for a moment that God is looking to create a bunch of robots. He's not looking to create a bunch of mini-me's or people that all do the same thing and look the same way and dress the same way and, and talk the same way and think the same way. That's not unity. Not when you look at the concept of harmony. When you think of harmony, you think of a group of people singing in harmony. They're all singing different notes. But they're doing so in a way that complement one another so that what comes out is actually beautiful. It has depth. It has the ability to move. Not looking for clones here. We need to be a people in the church that give others the ability to be you. And I need to have the freedom to not be you. I was, with a, I was through Zoom with a group of ministry interns yesterday morning as part of the class that I teach. And it was the last class in the series of nine months that we've been together since last September. And so in wishing them well and saying goodbye, I had my wife join. And we were saying goodbye and praying for them and wishing them well. And I made a comment that I've often made uh, in jest, and I assure you it's in jest. Um, when she came into the frame in the camera, they could see her and me. And I asked the group of it was six ministers there, how many of you believe that my wife's color hair would look good on me? That was their initial reaction. None of them said that. <laughs> Some of them offered other color combinations that might complement the color that she has and didn't get anybody saying, yeah, pastor, go for it. No, thankfully. And I assure you, I was kidding. But we can become so uptight about things that let's just come to the reality as scripture teaches it that just don't matter God is looking for something deep within us and he's looking for us in our hearts to come together as his people 
and demonstrate a unity and an ability to create harmony that the world has been showing for decades, it is completely incapable of reaching. They're not going to be able to get together on their own just for the sake of humanity and create these kumbaya moments. That only happens in Jesus. But being who we are individually in ways that create harmony when we get together, that creates joy. Each of us doing nothing, he says, from selfish ambition. We need to always measure what we say, what we do. Yeah, I've often spoken with people who just came from an encounter or even at work, happens more at work when someone has to encounter someone in a difficult situation and they'll say to me, because of the words they said to that person, that felt good. Whatever they said, I guess it was angry and they got it off their chest. But I believe Paul would teach us today that if when any interaction you and I have with other people, if the only person that is walking away from that feeling good is you, something needs to be examined here. It needs to be looked at because life isn't about you and me individually. Unless you have some insight scientifically that I don't, my understanding is that the universe revolves around none of us. None of us here is the center of the universe. And truly none of us should be even the center of our own universe. Jesus should be the center of the universe. Paul teaches to look out for the interest of others, but he says it not to the exclusion of ourselves. He says, don't only look out for your own interests, look out for them, but also for the interest of others. He's trying to promote balance. I've been doing a lot of studying lately. And it really just seems that when most people read the second greatest commandment, love your neighbors as yourselves. The way that most people, most Christians read it is love your neighbor instead of yourself. When the reality is what Jesus is saying to us in that passage is love your neighbor as yourself, which means the love that you need to give can't even begin until there's an understanding and a basic appreciation for how special you are. Because God created you. God fashioned you. God has a purpose for you. So love your neighbor as yourself. But we look out for the interests of others to bring harmony. How many know this is talking about relationships and that relationships take work? They're not easy. But this takes yielding to the Holy Spirit in every thought and in every desire. It takes a giving to God of everything that we are, which includes giving God all of our hurts, all of our pain, even all of our offenses. And this is balance. I want to always talk about balance. Because I'm not advocating for a moment that people should remain in unhealthy, unbalanced relationships or situations. Boundaries aren't a bad thing. But we were created 
to follow him. And our model is Jesus. And we do that by being together. Well, pastor, I can follow Jesus all by myself. Show me in the Bible where it teaches that. We were crafted at the day we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. We were grafted into a body. A body of which no one is the only member of. We need each other. So how do we get to this unity? How do we get to this joy? Paul lays it out in verse 2. By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And this gets worked out together, and it produces joy. Paul is telling this church that they, that his joy will be full, knowing that their unity is solid You know, Jesus gave a similar exhortation in John chapter 15, where he says, starting at verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, greater love have no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Notice he didn't say, This is my suggestion. This is my wonderful advice. For believers, this is my commandment, that you love one another. And that that love, and when we're trying to model it, what does that love look like? The love that Jesus gave each one of us. Greatest expression of love is laying down one's life, one's preference, one's selfish tendencies for somebody else doing nothing out of selfish ambition, showing more esteem to others than we would reserve even for ourselves. And again, balance there. Now, why do all this? So that his joy would remain in them, Jesus said to his disciples, and that our joy would be complete. Because the world we live in is chaotic. The times that we go through will do everything they can, not just to attack our our, our peace, but even to attack our joy. When we get phone calls about bad news, when we get a doctor's report that isn't what we were hoping for, we can still possess a joy because we know, like the song we sang today, he is still Lord. He is still Lord. He has still risen from the dead. And he is still Lord. Unity in the body brings the joy of the Lord. So how do we take this unity? How do we, as individuals, what's the practical application for us to be able to move in this way? How do we move towards joy? How do we embrace the fellowship of the spirit that he spoke about? How do we experience the consolation of Christ that he mentioned? How do we extend to one another this affection and mercy that Paul describes? I want to make it clear. This is a supernatural effort. It's not, it's not just by being nice. Now, let me also encourage you. Whenever you can, be nice. It's always nice to be nice. 
but that's not what it's going to take. It, this is a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. And it takes, he says, seeking to have the mind of Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in him. Now, many would say, well, just have the same mind. Just get on the same page. But looking around you, I'm sorry, there are just way too many things in this world that I will never be able to get on the same page with. There are many two things that our world is just heading in the opposite direction morally, in the opposite direction from anything that resembles godliness. I will never be on the same page with these things. We'll just have the same mind. This is not speaking about having the same mind politically or the same mind culturally. Things go deeper. But having the same mind when it comes to how we treat others and how we respect others and how we don't give up on others, especially those others that annoy us. Now, I know it's just me. Nobody here has anybody in their life that annoys them, I know. It's just me. So let me preach to myself for a moment here. I was in a, on a retreat once talking about how we need to be loving toward those that we have in our immediate and extended families that annoy us. And everybody looked a little pious at me. I don't have any brothers or sisters or cousins or aunts or uncles that annoy us. Liar. <laughs> but then they got honest and I said, how many have family members that annoy you? And most of them raised their hands. And I said, do you realize that if those family members were here and I asked them that question, they'd be raising their hands and thinking of you. Because that's the human condition that we're in. When we yield to Jesus, he can take something that is humanly not rational and create joy and create joy. But it takes having his mind. The same mind that Paul is talking about needs to be the mind of Christ, not the mind of culture, not the mind of a political party, the mind of Jesus. And what is that mind like? It starts with a word you don't hear a lot about today, and even when you do hear the word, it's never spoken about positively. The word is humility. It starts with having the humility like Jesus modeled, who although he was equal with God on the same level as the Heavenly Father, he chose to lower himself so that you and I could reap an eternal benefit that we had no hope of reaching. That took humility. I often say it. The gulf and the chasm that Jesus had to transcend to get to you and me is a whole lot farther than the gulf you and I have between each other. And yet he made it. Although being the creator of the universe, he willingly took on the form of a servant. A servant. And it says... He humbled himself. Now, many of us have probably experienced situations 
in life where the situation humbled us. We said something that was probably out of line or we assumed something and the reality of what the truth was came about and we then were humbled. But here it's talking about something very, very different. Jesus humbled himself. He made a decision to under, while understanding where he was to humble himself. He who created all earthly things made himself obedient to earthly things. Even the concept of death. This is what the mind of Christ does. Worked out in the body of Christ what it looks like. And we are encouraged in verse 5, let this mind be in you. So when I'm in a situation where I'm with people who obviously don't have the same godly perspective on life that I do, and they begin going off on how this and that is wrong on, and, and all other things, and they're doing their best to spread chaos and, and unhappiness, I'm going to keep the mind of Christ and hold on to joy. It says Jesus emptied himself. For our benefit. But Paul declares. Doing this. Produces. Joy. And how does our heavenly. Father respond to this. Well in the case of Jesus. He gets exalted. I just want to live a life. That God shines down on me. And smiles. Let this mind. Be in you. Which was also. In Christ Jesus. And when we humble ourselves, when we reflect his humility and his mind, we draw closer to the reality that he speaks about at the end of the passage we read today, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I believe in the Pentecostal distinctives. I embrace them. They are our heritage. I believe in the manifestations of God's spirit. I really do. And I'm praying that we just move even closer to them as a body. But I want all of Pentecost. Not just the manifestations of a moment. I was sharing with that group of ministers yesterday that the first place I ever heard speaking in tongues was in a Roman Catholic prayer meeting when I was 16 years old. Those adults were on fire for Jesus. They loved the Lord. Now, they were also devotedly Roman Catholic, so they were in this prayer house, and it was kind of like the secret meeting they were having. But there was a joy on their face. There was a difference in their behavior. Their life was changed by the spirit of Pentecost. And I shared with them that the first time I experienced the manifestations of Pentecost in a church of God when I was 17, it looked the same as far as what was happening at the altar. But from my perspective, as a 17-year-old who really didn't know a whole lot, and I want to be balanced, but from my perspective... Everybody in that small church that was speaking in tongues and letting the gifts of the Spirit flow through them freely, 
we're doing that, but we're otherwise angry and mean. Where's the joy that should follow? Where's the peace that passes all understanding? And that's a message in a couple of weeks. We want the full spirit of God to inhabit every aspect of our worship and every aspect of our time, especially at an altar. But then comes the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, thankfulness, gentleness, Patience. Long suffering. That when his spirit becomes alive in us, it manifests itself in some supernatural ways that the world and science won't be able to explain. But it also does manifest itself in ways that should be evident, like we're kind, like we're peaceful. And like we can be patient. And I love the fact that in that verse in Galatians that patience is right before long-suffering. Because I may know when you are in long-suffering, you need patience. People are struggling today. They're struggling to find joy. And Paul proclaims the path to joy for us as believers is unity. We need each other. The darkest moments of my life took a turn for the better when I got together with God's people. Isolating myself, which I have some experience doing, has always been an awful idea. It's a terrible idea. Well, I'm just going to get along with me and God. And when I do, God says, why are you here? Get back with people. It must be, though, a unity where Jesus is at the center. It must be a unity that glorifies his majesty. It must be a unity that is made up of people that are seeking to have the mind of Jesus and seeking ways to show his love, to show his kindness, to show that he is Lord by first showing that he is Lord here. And he is Lord here. We all go through weeks like my family has gone through. You've had your own experiences, I'm sure. What gets us through them is the love of an almighty God and the love that he shines through his people. We need the body. We need to come together and encourage one another. Well, but I'm going through stuff, and I'm a, I'm a private person, and I don't want everyone to know my troubles. We still need each other. There's no getting away from that. What, why can't just God meet me on my own, and then when I'm all better, I'll get back together with the body of Christ? Except that the body of Christ should be a place where people can be real where people can experience reality that is in life. Otherwise, we're given the impression that those who come together as God's people, all we have are sunshiny days and rainbows. 
that nothing ever goes wrong, that nothing ever happens, that we don't experience anything difficult or anything bad. How many know that's a lie? But even when we experience those things, we do it together. We do it together. Have this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Stand with me, please.